Wow, what a great, great team of people that's been in your lives and got you to this point. I was thinking, man, I'm in the class of 69, and I was like, that's a long time ago. I barely remember it. <laughs> but it's a great, this is, uh, graduating from high school is probably one of the greatest moments in a young person's life. And we do pray that uh, you guys will follow the Lord's will and purpose for you. He's got plans for you. We know that, every single one of you. Well, good morning, everyone. How do you follow that? I don't know, but I'm going to give it a shot. How's that? It's good to uh, thank Ash for doing Wednesday night this past Wednesday night. He spoke in my absence. We were at uh, Alabama District Council in Montgomery for a Sunday evening, all day Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we drove back Thursday. But uh, did you post uh, the service on any of your social media? So you just sent that to us? Okay. Well, I wish, I wish more people could... Uh, uh, we got to watch it, but the uh, the little boy singing "Open the Eyes of My Heart." It, it's it's worth you putting on social media. Not that he didn't preach good, but uh, the message was very good. But uh, that little boy singing "Open the Eyes of My Heart," Lord, um, that's worth people seeing. Uh, it'll really touch your heart. It is good to be back. Uh, we had a we had a full week. I heard some of the greatest preaching. I should be overcharged. I, I should be like the meat needle should be bouncing over here like you got overcharged. We had many different preachers, some of the greatest preaching that I've been at one of these. The uh, creme de la creme, as they say, was Dr. Joseph Dimitrov, who is uh, from Brussels, Belgium, and he spoke in the missions. And um, I'm, I'm going to try to post that on some of my social media so that you can go and listen I've already listened to it again, and I'm going to be listening to it again and probably after that because it is rich. Um, but we're going to jump right into God's Word. I'm going to take you to the book of Acts, the very first verse of the book of Acts. You don't really have that first verse because it's kind of introductory and all that, but you know, he did write it. We ought to read it at least some point in our lives, right? Um, Peter was just a, I think, a tad edgy when um, he told about half the disciples, I'm going fishing. You remember that? Jesus had been raised from the dead, and I think probably he had been a little bit of space between the last time he had seen Jesus in person appearance. And so he did what he was going to do that he knew how to do, and that is he knew how to fish. And he went fishing in that Next morning, as it got daylight, it turned out that Jesus was on the coast of the Sea of Galilee grilling fish. Have you ever thought about how did he get the fish? I think he probably threw a net out there. I just can't picture him saying, fish, come here, and it popped into his hand. He probably could have done that. But he went to the, the whole task of grilling fish for these men who he... And, and one of the most pressing, this is recorded in John, one of the most pressing interactions that Jesus had with Peter was around that fire grilling fish when he asked Peter three different times if he loved him. And then he said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And he was bothered that the third time the Lord had to ask him a third time if he really loved him. And when you get into the start of the book of Acts, 
you really see that Peter has recovered from his colossal failure that he had when he denied Jesus three times. Someone said he had, Jesus asked him three times if he loved him to coincide with the three times he denied him. I don't know if that's the case. But Luke picks up where he left off in recording the gospel of Luke, and he's writing, it's like a continuum. This is like Luke, Luke the second go-around in the book of Acts. It's, it's titled, I think, Acts of the Apostles. Is that what your Bible says there? You know, that's not really the title of it. You know, they just put that there. It, it, that, that, I'm, I'm serious. There's no title to it. But what it should be titled is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because only two of the apostles have prominent roles in this book. Two out of the 12, and it's kind of interesting because when they had this meeting, it's later on in chapter one that, you know, if, you, if nothing's happening, just have a church business meeting and vote who's going to replace Judas. And they have a business meeting. And I don't even know if that was the will of God because you never hear anything about Matthias. You know, don't hear anything else he did, even though he was the replacement for Judas who had betrayed Jesus. But we do know that there was another apostle that came along after that, right? It was Saul of Tarsus who became the apostle Paul. And so he's in the middle of all of this after a few chapters in the book of Acts. But we're going to start reading in very, the very first word in Acts 1, if you're there. I'm reading out of the NIV, by the way. In my former book, Theophilus, he's talking about the gospel of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, this is thanks to Luke because he has more details in his writings in Luke and Acts than any other of the authors. That we know as 40 days that Jesus showed himself at various times resurrected to his followers. Now, if you take the three days that he was in the tomb, 50 days after Passover was Pentecost. And Acts chapter 2 is when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 50 days. So there was seven days that they stayed in the upper room. Verse 4 goes like this. And then Jesus was, on the time that, time that Jesus was having a meal with the, the uh, apostles, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. There's two distinct commands there. Do not leave Jerusalem. And if you look at the end of Matthew, he says, go into all the world and teach all nations, disciple all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that was the, the Great Commission. But before the Great Commission, it seems like that Jesus had another meeting with them. and said, but before you go from Jerusalem, something needs to happen in your life. So do not leave Jerusalem. And then he said, wait for the gift the Father promised. The gift that Jesus clearly spoke about was the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And that subject dominates much of John's upper room discourse in the gospel of John. Do you realize how hard it is to wait? 
Anybody in here good at waiting? <laughs> We're not too good at waiting. I'm, I'll, I'll confess, I am not very good at waiting. If I walk in and nobody kind of tends to me in the first, like, 60 seconds, I'm gone. Anybody like that? You think about how hard this was. They did not know when the gift of the Holy Spirit was going to ha happen. They only knew that they were supposed to wait until it happens. That that flies against everything that we like. If we're going to wait for an expended period of time, we'll at least need to have some kind of idea. How long are we going to wait for this? When you think about it, there was 120 people in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit of God came in with a mighty rushing wind. That was at least seven days in the making. I just believe that probably there was a less number of people at the end of that week than there was at the start of it. Don't know that for sure. We do know that Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time. I don't know if the vast majority of them said, well, we're just going to wait. And, you know, sometimes... Uh, Sometimes when people are waiting for something, they kind of manufacture that, hey, I think I got what we're waiting for, and I'm leaving. That could have happened. But he, he connects this with what John the Baptist had said in verse 5. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. His reference back when John the Baptist says, I indeed baptized with water, but one's coming after me mightier than I I'm not even worthy to undo his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And it's this comparison that we have in verse 5, a reference back to John the Baptist. And you have to love what happens next in verse 6. We think about that attention span. Anybody here has a long attention span? We, we, you need to help us if you have a long attention span. Because we get the idea that the challenge to focus has probably been a part of every culture. And here they are having to wait. In verse 6, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Stop right there. He's talking about, <laughs> he's talking about God's going to do something really powerful. He's going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. You don't, don't leave Jerusalem until you get it. Stay in there and wait it out. And, they, and it seems like they're not hearing anything he's saying. Because in their mind, one more shot. Aren't you going to kind of make us leaders of something here? Like the kingdom, aren't you going to replace the kingdom back to Israel? And what a question. After all the things he would, and, and he doesn't really rebuke them. In verse 7, he just says, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. He could have been a lot harder on them, right? But he says, that's not for you to know. And he goes back, says, but this is what's going to happen. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he said this, he was, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. I just love verse 10. And they were looking up, watching him leave. And when suddenly two men dressed in white stood next to them, beside them, 
Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. You can see how difficult it was for them to focus, to focus on what the Lord wanted them to have. He wanted them to have this empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Even though they elected a replacement for Judas, he wanted them to experience something more than just adding to the number of leaders. He wanted them to experience the endowment power from on high. And so they are waiting for the immersion. Immersion baptized means to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. But I can picture after a couple of days, people are starting to drop out. I can picture that. Not knowing how this is going to happen, when it's going to happen, what it's going to be like, because they had no idea what was going to happen. They were just waiting. If we just had to wait, keep on waiting. I did a little research on attention span and found a couple of things. And this is from 2000 to 2013, so we're like 10 years past this. Anybody want to take a guess what the attention span was, average attention span for an adult at 2,000? Anybody want to go for it? Ten minutes. Well, now I'm, I'm, it's like an auction here. I'm, I don't, I'm trying to follow. 30 minutes, attention span, 30 minutes. Uh in 19, 1980, listen, in 1980, it was 29 minutes in 1980. 10 minutes now. 12 seconds. Now, I'm just telling you what I researched. I didn't, I didn't do the research. I'm just telling you what research. 12 seconds in 2000. And it's down to, in 2013, eight seconds, one-fourth diminished. And we're talking about better iPhones, better apparatus and technology. It's no, and, and this is why, now, they didn't have all the stuff that, it, it goes back probably, like I said, 1980 was 29 minutes. It just shows you how, even in their time frame, how seven days could have been an enormous challenge for them. Praying, sitting there, after three or four days, I'm probably out of there. I'm, I'm like, ah, I'll, I'll, I'll come back and check on this later on. But it, when it really happened, it was like, beyond anything they could ever comprehend the sound of a mighty rushing wind it didn't say a wind it just said the sound of a mighty rushing wind these 120 people experienced something tongues of fire appeared you're talking about something beyond anything they've ever seen or experienced and they all began to speak in languages they did not know languages they didn't know same thing about the greatness of God and the goodness of God. The promise of the Father arrived with the promise of power. He said, 
you wait until you're endued with what? Power from on high. You're going to get power. Anybody know anything about power? <laughs> I just think that if they got power through this experience, they kind of felt something. They kind of experienced something. I love that word power. I had, I had the joy of while I'm refueling that GMC pickup truck, which has to be done quite often, this poor lady next to me across the pump said, she was talking and she was trying to get somebody to come and I, I, did, I wasn't trying to over here. I just heard bits and pieces. Finally, she looked at me and she says, do you have some jumper cables? I said, ma'am, I have something better than jumper cables. I said, I got a little bitty box that's going to start your car in a matter of seconds. Don't have to pull your truck around, get those jumper cables out, hook up your battery, go over and hook up her battery and hope that you don't get them crossed up because you destroy her battery. You just open that little thing up, put those two clamps on there, and in 30 seconds, her car will start. It's called a DP Power. It's a little bitty power box that'll crank a car. It is one of the greatest inventions. I have one in my car, one in my truck, and I'm not going to be out of power because when you drive a 2002 GMC truck, it leaves you stranded a lot. And I got tired of being stranded. And I've helped other people. I'm like, I want to show you what I got. This thing's going to crank your car. She looked at that and said, that's going to, it's a little bitty thing. I said, you watch this. <laughs> if I could have moonwalked back to my truck, I would have, I would have tried it. I was like, come on. I was, I was strutting. Look at that. Man, that's Power. Power in that little bitty thing. I just believe when the power of God came in that room, those 120 people knew that something had happened to them beyond their wildest imagination. How can power be measured? We know how to measure electrical power. Did you see on the news these two, boy, two brothers, young children, were struck by lightning in the recent storms? Lightning hit a tree, came out the root, and got both of them. But in the process of it coming through all of that and hitting both of them, it didn't kill them. Both of them are recovering and are doing well. But something had to start diminishing the strength of that lightning bolt. There was power in that, but it diminished. When God gives people power, we ought to be able to know it, that there's something different about us. How does that work? Think about this. Jesus had trained these men three and a half years, I mean, in an intense, everyday Bible college. And yet he told them, you are not prepared to do what I need you to do without power from on high coming into your life. So, you know, it's not all about learning. It's not all about mental and academics. It's about the soul. It's about what's in here. You know, you can have some people um, that are so talented. I remember the running, uh, running back for the Dallas Cowboys, Dwayne Thomas. Anybody, I'm, I mean, I'm dating myself here. Dwayne Thomas. Anybody remember running back for the Dallas Cowboys? See, there's another old person back there that knows who I'm talking about. You won't find him in many 
in many places because he quit. But the few years he played, he was phenomenal. But what he was missing was this. He did, he just like, he was so talented, he didn't even know how talented he was. And I really think that when God gives us power, we, we know that it's not just for us to keep it to ourselves. That guy had talent, but he just didn't utilize it. When God fills us with his spirit, it's to take all the academics that we have and the, and the continual studying we have is to bind with that so that we will be an influence for him. Power to do what? And I'll finish up with this. And you will receive power to do what? What does the verse say? And you will be my witnesses. It's just not power to have power. The measurement of the power of the Holy Spirit is our willingness to allow that power to stir us to tell people about Jesus. It is to be a witness of the Lord. It's not to keep this to ourselves. It never was meant to be kept to ourselves. What we have freely been given, we're to freely give. What we receive freely from the Lord, we're to freely give. We are to make Jesus known in every context that we find ourselves in. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. But in his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul wrote it this way. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. And it's still a stumbling block and foolishness to those two people. But he says we preach it. doesn't matter how they're going to receive it. We're just going to be preaching. Because in those both groups, there's going to be some people that will hear it. And it won't be a stumbling block to them. And it won't be foolishness to them. It will be the hope of salvation. We have to make him known. This is how we measure the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. How how much do we want to share the gospel? How much do we want to tell people about what Jesus has done in our lives is a measurement of the power he's given us through the Holy Spirit. He has not given us power to keep it to ourselves. It's not for us to have our moments of ecstasy and spiritual things. It's, it is to use us to penetrate our dark world around us with the gospel. I'd like for the praise team to come back up. There's something that I, I had an interaction recently with a young man. I hadn't seen him in years. I started not to share this, but we are, he has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to be witnesses of him in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the world, that where you work, where you live, your neighbors, praying for them, believing God to reveal himself to them, taking every opportunity you and I have to engage them, to let them know they matter to, to the Lord, and the gospel of Christ is their only hope of eternal life. There's no other hope. I will make room. Is that what y'all going to do? Sure. I just want to make sure it's what you're going to do. I told this young man, it's good to see you. It's 
been years. Asked him how he was doing. And he told me what his occupation was. And uh, he was in our youth group years and years ago, a long time ago. And I said, um, so where are you at? Are you going to church somewhere? And he said, no, I'm not a Christian anymore. So I just let him talk. And uh, he said, I'm Norse paganism. Now, I don't think I've ever had anybody tell me that they're Norse paganism. So I asked him, what, what, what's that about? And he was trying to describe it. And I just asked him one question. I said, so do you not think Jesus is authentic? Because he said he wasn't Christian. I think this is where there's a demarcation between people who really been born again and those who have been in a culture of Christianity. Because Christian is not a label. Christ's follower is a description of one who's been born again. It's not a title. It's an experience we live day in and day out. And there's multiple gods, multiple goddesses, and he's just trying to end this conflagration of gods and goddesses. He's, he's trying to find his way when he's already heard that there's only one way. There's only one way. There's no authenticity. I, I had to look it up and see what, what it's about. It's just from the Norsemen up, up in Norway. It's, it's one of these pagan religions that has all kind of gods and goddesses. It's all just made up. It's just all made up. And I thought, you know, I don't know if you really had an encounter with Jesus if you're going to shelve that for something like paganism. I'm just wanting to tell, and, and the graduates here, you're going to face ideas and ideologies that, and especially in academia, especially in philosophy classes, if you had to take a class in philosophy, you're not going to get much of an encouragement about Christianity. And you're just going to have to buckle up and get ready to stand your ground that there's only one way to eternal life, and that is through Jesus. There's no other way. There's no other way. And I want you to stand with me. And, and on this special day, the, the graduates are going to have a lunch for them. I'm so proud of all of these that are graduated. And, and really, Brad and Lacey, they've already went back there. But I'm telling you, if they choose to leave this church, I'm leaving with them. <laughs> They're going to have to take Brenda and I with them. So that's, that's going to discourage them from ever doing that. But what a great job they're doing. But I just felt like as they were singing this song, I knew what I was going to share. Do you need to make room for him? Has things crowded into your life that is making his prominence diminished? Lord, I pray this morning that we will make room for you in the clutter of this world, in the clutter social media and, and everything else that's around us that's trying to get our attention, trying to get this 12 seconds, 8 seconds of our focus, our attention span. You need to have, we need to have our attention on you. You need to be the subject of our attention, Lord. And I'm praying for people here this morning that need to make room for you, need to 
need to somehow clear out some of the clutter of their life. And if that is you this morning, then he said, Lord, uh, Pastor, I need to make room for Jesus. I need, I've got too much in my life. I've got too much things pulling at me. I want you to come and stand here and let's just say, Lord, I give it up. I give my heart to you. I give all of my time to you. Whatever you have for me. As we sing this, can you do that with me?